Hello, this is DJ Hewlett. And Victoria Sotilli. And we are here with Trauma Dump. Oh, everybody, hold on to your loins. It's going to be great. <laughs> so sorry it's been a minute since we have been able to record. Um, it's been kind of a hectic week. Two words for you. Cord management oh my god and this motherfucker decided to drop a 200 pound dresser on their knee mine okay so there's a story there <laughs> so, so that's what's kept us up there's a cabinet behind victoria that i decided you can't see it you, you can't no that is a fact <laughs> you cannot i decided i was like you know what i'm not gonna ask my husband for help um i'm just gonna move it down the stairs by myself and so god bless him like as i'm at the bottom of the stairs stuck that's when he's like what are you doing and the weight was so much that my leg collapsed and so my knee has been effed up since then it's swollen you can see (laughs) something i need to go to the doctor i have not um we leave tonight well we head to the airport at 2 a.m to go to hawaii tomorrow tomorrow and so i refuse to go to the doctor until then so maybe i will get stuck on leave and end up having to um you know uh, stay in Hawaii rather than coming back to work. It would be great. Because that's what responsible adults do. Oh, uh, I mean, it is. Crystal already mentioned that I was going to get stuck in Hawaii and not come back. Um, so that more to come. <laughs> so it'll just be me. Hi, everybody. I hope that you enjoy my voice because it'll just be me. Oh, my gosh. He'll oh. be gone in Hawaii. So, Victoria, uh, we've already talked. We'll, we'll get some more of my life. It's a hot mess. So tell us what's going on with you. So um, I've been working in an office for like two years now instead of like throwing freight and lifting up pallets and pulling milk and all that good stuff. So I've, you know, accumulated fat instead of muscle. <laughs> so I'm really flabby. And my husband decided that he's going to get jacked. And so now I no longer look like the model in the relationship. So, <laughs> so I have started running. Now, mind you, this motherfucker runs three miles like every day. He just did a 5K the other day or whatever that's called for an hour. And I'm just like, huh? Well, I just walked on the treadmill for 15 minutes and listened to music. So that's cute. Um, so I'm very sore. My ass is sore because I've been walking on an incline for two days straight now. Gross. Um, that's really what I'm doing because I will not be number two in this relationship. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Well, I just took a number two and that was something. I'm just He's joking. not lying. <laughs> it was pretty bad. We went this morning to return some stuff to the mall, which we live in the BFE. So it was like an hour away and getting home. It was rough. Um but I digress. Um, I was going to, br- oh, the ADHD moments begin. I was getting ready to bring up something of relevance and I don't recall what it was. It was something about your life. Well, I mean, that's a lot of things. <laughs> what was it? Gonna- God bless America. I don't know, but we, well, I spent money I didn't need to spend on, um, but I feel great. So that's what matters. Oh, that is, I, that is absolutely what matters. Oh, we didn't finish telling these people about cord management. They have no idea what we're talking about. Oh, I'm so sorry. Welcome to the ADHD of loud and opinionated drama dump slash <laughs> random shit. That's something. Cord management. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> I like to tell the people. So at our job, we, uh, surprisingly, I know I said, we said this on the last podcast, but we do work together and we have a podcast together. We'll strangle each other one day, but until that day happens, we have a bunch of cords to help us with that. 
<laughs> so our job, for some reason, has made it top priority to have these cords hidden from the world. You have cords, you're a fucking sinner, and you don't deserve this job. And you're going to hell. You're going to hell and there's no redemption for you. God has turned an eye against you. He does not care about you and your cords. <laughs> and these people probably, you all probably think like that we're being over It is the we most. We have spent thousands of dollars to hide these cords and I'm not lying to you. It's It's been a little ridiculous. Like I love what I do and we're not bashing on the company we work for per se, but this specific instance is a little much. I, uh, oh. It's the pain of our existence. It's rough because they don't give you a guide on how to fix it. And I know what you're probably thinking. Just go get some tape and wrap it together. Or get, a little, get a little like twisty tie and put them. No, no. You If cords exist, there's a problem. Like everything needs to be wireless, but it can't be wireless. But you got to make it look wireless. So it's been rough. And I was at my wits end. Luckily, DJ is like a home improvement guru. So he's fixed, I think, everything in the lobby. Whilst the other team has fixed the rooms. Uh, My lobby, I could not get under control. There was nothing I could do. It, It was, it's been, it's been something. So just know that these are the priorities of the world's largest civilian employer. But I digress. The largest, mind you, and cords are the problem. They are the problem. They are the problem. That is what's our downfall. I, too, am the problem, but that's for another podcast. Oh, wait, it's for this one. Surprise! (laughs) And we're going to get into that with our trauma dump. So I don't know what story he's picked out from his brain catalog, but I'm super excited. There are some really juicy stories in there that are traumatic, but they just make me sit on the edge of my seat every time he tells them. Because it's like, that can't be real, but it's real. People are shit. People, oh my God, people, people are garbage. And I, you know what? I hate to be that way. Like I've tried to get better about not being so anti people, but my Lord have mercy. Like there are only so many things that a person can go through and you just continue to try and give people grace. And my God, it bites you in the ass every time it feels like. I've witnessed um, his Holy Spirit literally go fuck you man you think this (laughs) this is what you're gonna get now and he'll come out of like the room or wherever we are and be like victoria you would not believe what just happened after he just talked shit about something it's like huh there is something out there like there is a god there's a god there definitely is victoria and i have very differing views on our spiritual beliefs but not in a bad way um we're just both very different individuals that are very unique and i love it um but yeah, people just, it, it astounds me. This, we, and I just get so frustrated, like moving, and we, I want to make this known now, we are not going to turn this at any point into a political bashing um, situation, but like going into the election, I am not here to put my stance or tell anyone what they should do, but my God, do the pieces of garbage come out of the woodwork. Humans are good at throwing problems onto other people. That's kind of what happens. Like, oh, you don't like this person because of this and this? You're a piece of shit. You're the problem. And it's like, well, why don't we just actually use deductive reasoning and figure out what the problem is? But it's just easier and it feels good and it gives us serotonin to be like, you're a piece of shit. Yeah, absolutely. And it's because, like, we don't understand it, Uh, especially in situations where people don't have any desire to understand more. Um, and much to Victoria's chagrin, I'm going to throw them under the bus here for a moment. Oh, um, good. I'm so fucking ready. <laughs> Hit me. 
with the well, back tires well, first. We're, we're talking. Oh my god! So you know, we're talking about people kind of being garbage and choosing not to, um, you know, figure it out. Like, why do things bother you? And so, I mean, there was a really contentious point in our friendship over the last twelve months where I just kind of had a serious mental breakdown and was a piece of garbage friend. Um, but when it comes to, there was some pronoun discussion in which I was incredibly hateful about rooted in my own lack of understanding and my lack of want to understand is more or less where that all stemmed from. It was me not wanting to figure out how to understand. And so it, um, you know, it really put in perspective, like there are going to be things we don't get and we don't agree with. And I think that's what makes me more enraged now with people than it has in the past because it's like, okay, just because you don't get it doesn't mean you're not responsible to figure it out. I mean, Victoria, how do you feel about the situation? And you can be honest. About the situation of people not changing their opinions or their views or... Well, like the situation we went through, like when you, when I was really hateful about pronouns, for example... So it's taught me that, unfortunately, the last year has taught me a lot of, hey, just because they don't agree with you now doesn't mean they won't soon be on your side. And unfortunately, a lot of battles have to be fought first before you can have allies on your side. This was a big one, and it was really fucking rough. <laughs> like, I don't typically cry, but I actually had to break down and be like, what is your problem? Yeah. Why are you like this? You're being hypocritical because you are also a minority. Why would you do that? And it took you, I think, like a month or two. I don't know. Time is irrelevant. Time doesn't exist. It took you a while. Not too long, but Longer it took you like, like a month or two. And it was rough, those last like months because you ignored me you made me the victim even though like or yourself the victim because I was the victim and you were just like no like you're the problem I don't want to deal with this like you're you're wrong and I was like I don't understand but I think it's important that people go through that so for us to be angry that other people don't understand is natural because we get it now but maybe they need that maybe they need this like hard love like no you're the problem you need to wake up because that's how you changed that's how you became this woke quote unquote person <laughs> very woke i'm very awake um and you i mean it, it i hate like to think about it that it took all of that to really for lack of better words pull my head out of my own ass Especially like they mentioned being a minority and being somebody who's gay um, and just a lot of struggle that's come with that, especially with, you know, my faith, which we'll talk about that, you know, as we go throughout this pot, these podcasts, just that correlation to my sexuality and a lot of the things that I've had to overcome in situations that have really been detrimental to my mental health and well-being. Um, but point being that's a really unfair position to put anybody in, but we do have to call people out. I get so tired of this. Well, it's not my problem or it's not my responsibility to say something. And at the end of the day, if I'm in a room and I hear something non-inclusive that's being said, it's a hundred percent my responsibility to say something. That's also a struggle that I hate seeing. Like, It's happened a few times in my life, like at work and in real life, where someone will be saying, like, that's not okay. This should probably be addressed. But I'm sure the other five people that witnessed it will address it. Do not have that mindset. 
you see problems, call it out. I don't know why as we are people are sheep and don't want to call out the bad because if we could work together to call out the bad, we would be progressed so much farther than we already are with inclusivity. But for some reason, we're just like, oh, somebody else will take care of it because I don't want to have the authority or stick my head out for somebody else. Like, that's not okay. Right. It doesn't matter if it's policy driven. doesn't matter if it's about morals. If someone is being hurt for somebody's actions, it's not okay. And that's a big problem as well with religious beliefs because that happens all the time. All the time. And I'm sure DJ will love to talk about that on another podcast. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, a, I giggle because I, <laughs> we had a conversation about the thing with someone else. We won't get into that, but it does make me laugh because there was a conversation weeks ago that took place there. Anyway. <laughs> Um, but yeah, definitely frustrating, um, because it's not, it's really not that difficult to have an open mind and just because you don't identify with something or even agree, you know, from, I'll get on my religious soapbox for a moment. Okay, here it goes. It, here it is. There's a box. Get on it. Hold tight. It's a cardboard box. It's not going to last long. It is not for, okay. So for people that are Christian, and this includes my, I am a person of faith. I don't like to identify myself with Christianity because of the way that mainstream Christianity seems to um, respond to injustice for minority groups in the United States and and in the world, whether it be women, um, LGBTQ community, indigenous community, um, people of color, Black Lives Matter, whatever it might be, there seems to be some kind of disconnect when it comes to being being able to see that there is social injustice. And when you're a part of a religious group that claims to be rooted in, in love, that's where I struggle. Because if you know anything about the Bible and if we get talking about Jesus, his time was spent with people that the rest of the world, the rest of mainstream society deemed as being unworthy. And those are the people that he chose to spend his time with and invest his time into, not because he was trying to change them, but because he just wanted to love them. And change, when we love people, it comes naturally to some extent. Um, But really where I was going with that is that you see so many situations where people are like, well, these are my religious beliefs. Okay, well, that's great, but those are your beliefs. And also, if we're really going to get into it, in Christianity, God has given people free will. Like, that's the whole concept, like, of sin, right? It's it's you have the choice to do whatever it is that you're going to do. What consequences come with that are on you, whether it be a good or a bad decision. So if God, who is much more powerful than I, has given other people free will, then who am I to put myself in a position where I get to tell people whether or not their rights are valid? Well, I think what stuck out to me most, I'm taking your box away. So what took okay, out to me most <laughs> was that you called out that the man himself spent time with people that were deemed unworthy. And I feel like a society, we have gone completely against that because look at all the homeless, look at all the drug addicts, and we turn a blind eye to them instead of the churches funding those people to get help. 
were just saying they just need to get off the road. They need to get where I can't see them. Blah, 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 blah. Now, I know that there are churches out there that help and stuff and bless you for that. But um, that shouldn't be such a hard topic for the homeless, for the drug addicts, because they are redeemable. They need help, but we're not out there helping them. Why? Absolutely. It's, um, you know, it, it is it is definitely a struggle. It's like we want to we want to help where it's convenient. And like my argument, not argument, but kind of the example that I always use is you have people and we're not going to get into well, we are about to get into it, but we're not at the same time. Um, when we talk about people that are super pro-life and anti-abortion, I'm just going to say now it is not my, that is someone else's choice. I don't get to make that choice for them. Those consequences, good or bad. Again, it's not my business. It is not my business to control another woman and what, uh, or another woman, I'm not a woman, but. <laughs> another human being that can give life. It is not our choice to tell them yes or no. Correct. It's it's just not. I am in control of my own decisions for myself. I don't get to dictate what other people can and cannot do. And so kind of the direction I always go with that when it comes to Christianity, and not all Christians are like this. They're truly not, but a lot of them are. Um, but you look at abortion and how gung-ho you see Christians about pro-life, 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 pro-life. But then we get into the racial inequality of it all on, you know, another spectrum. And Christians are nowhere to be found in that fight. Or all the orphans. Correct. What are we doing with those? Absolutely. You'd rather the mother give birth and just say, eh, I don't want it anymore. Boop. Goodbye. And so with that, though, kind of my point is that it's really easy to fight for a cause that doesn't require any work or sacrificing of something from us. It's really easy to defend an unborn baby because I don't actually have to do anything. But when we talk about people that are homeless, we talk about the drug addict, we talk about, you know, the sex worker, we talk about the unwed mother, we talk about the person that had an abortion, we talk about, um, you know, racial inequality, we talk about the way that people in the LGBT community are treated, we talk about women's rights that requires sacrifice on some level. And so that's where we turn to blind eye because that's where it becomes too hard. Didn't Jesus even hang out with prostitutes? He did, Mary Magdalene. Like, that should say something. Like, instead of going out and being like, you're sinning, you're sinning, this is, you're going to hell, why don't you offer a hand and guidance? Why do you just point the finger and say, you're a piece of shit? That doesn't help nobody. You call me a piece of shit on the fucking road, I'm going to be like, hell yeah, I am. And I'm going <laughs> to eat my fucking Pop-Tart or my Starbucks drink. I don't care about what you have to say unless you're going to offer actual guidance that's like, hey, how are you doing? Why are you here? Do you need assistance? Is there anything a stranger could do for you? And not in a creepy way, like, hey, hot lady, like, how are you? Right. Like, not catcalling, not being like, hey, let me fund your baby. Like, no. Jesus. <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right. It comes from a place of wanting to have a relationship with people because that's even in our own lives. It's hard to take criticism um, of any kind, for example, if it's not somebody we have a relationship with, because if it's somebody like that, we know loves us and cares about our best interest, it's different than a stranger coming up to me and telling me what I should or should not be doing. And I'm like, who the hell are you to tell me what I should and shouldn't be doing? You don't know me. I think for the majority. Yeah. I, I'm very, again, call me out on this. I think I'm very good at feedback. I think I take it and I analyze it and I consider it correct or not whether or not that's based on facts but if some stranger comes up to me 
and goes like, why are you wearing this? Or what are you doing? Or why would you park there? And I will sit there and I will think about my actions. And if I'm wrong, I'm going to be like, you fucking right. You called me out. Right. I'm not going to be defensive unless I'm already in a bad mood. That's a completely different standpoint. But I'm normally pretty good at people calling me out because I want to be better. And I don't know why that's such a taboo thing when you're an adult. Yeah, I don't, I don't really either. It definitely is, I would agree, because it's not always easy. Um, but in, in order for us to learn and grow, like to your point, we have to be able to take feedback. And I think that you are really good at it. I, I've learned a lot from you in that regard. That's my favorite thing. I told my manager, like from our job, my favorite thing about what we do is feedback. I want to be better all the time. And if you're going to tell me I'm being a piece of shit for A, B, and C, to do D, X, and Y. I know that didn't make sense, but it's no. going to make sense in my ADHD brain. No. And I'm going to do it if it benefits everyone and myself. Even if it doesn't benefit me, but it benefits the people around me, why would I not make those sacrifices? It doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, it, it, we have to be able to to give and to take that, you know, that kind of feedback. And um, to kind of go back, and I do want to circle back for just a second when you're talking about Jesus hung out with prostitutes, and when he hung out with the woman at the Hell well, yeah. <laughs> or sex workers, excuse me, I that is still uh, something that I am trying to rewire in my brain. Um, because it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether or not we think that's right or wrong. There are people in positions we can't imagine that are doing the best they can to get by. Um, and so it's not my place to spread hate on that. I think you said it in the last podcast, but can you, uh, um, explain more what's wrong with sex workers versus prostitutes? Um, I don't. The terminology anyway. Well, sex workers versus prostitutes, prostitutes just generally societally has a very negative connotation. Like we hear the word prostitute and it's very demeaning. I feel like to that individual, like, oh, you're a prostitute. Versus sex worker puts a little bit more dignity on it. And I don't feel like we should be trying to tear those people down because, again, they're doing the best that they can. I don't know their trauma. I don't know their life. I don't know what they have been through that has brought them to a point where that's what they feel like they have to do to provide for themselves. Yeah. And I mean, sex work, again, isn't easy. Like, you're putting your life on the line just like a cop. And I'm not saying a cop, that's not, they're not going to that debate. But, like, it's still a heavy risk job that people are paying for. Yes, we can go without it, maybe. But human beings are very ravenous creatures. Like, people need this. And it's a function. It's one of our, what, three categories? Food, shelter, and sex. Isn't that, like, the top three to keep us going? I have no idea. That's a psychology thing. But uh, (laughs) there are three pillars that we require, and sex is, like, the third one. So it's very important. And I don't know. I know know sex workers that are the kindest motherfucking people. They are out there giving their money to homeless. They're making sure that people are okay. They are making sure that their friends and family are supported. And they're going out there and risking their lives just to support the people that can't do it for themselves. Like, you don't know what these people are doing. Yeah, it's probably... I haven't looked it up. Fact check me. But yes, probably a high percentage are people that have a lot of trauma drug addicts and have come from a very bad home but not all of them are just like there's not all bad cops like we can't just keep generalizing all of these positions because of what has happened 
That's a trauma response. Trauma dump. Trauma dump. But no, you're absolutely right. I will be honest, like sex work isn't something that I necessarily am on board with per se for my own. And I'll be the first to tell you, okay? I would love to say that for my own religious beliefs that I had waited until I was married to, you know, be intimate with my, I was a hoe. He was a hoe. hoe. Like a hard H. So I am not here to tell, but I'll look back at that and tell you that I was, for me, this isn't for everyone. I'm, I am not putting shame or blame on anybody, but for me, I wish I had acted much differently. Um, But that again, that is for me. That is not to be placed on somebody else. Um, but to kind of go a step further with that, because you had made a comment, Victoria, just a moment ago about how, um, you know, people are also paying for those services. Um, my thing with that is I love, it takes us back to the, to the inequalities of men and women and people can think whatever they want and act like it's not true, but it's absolutely a hundred percent true that when we look at people that are in sex work, it's interesting to me how we automatically place the shame on the person that is in sex work. And we don't put any kind of responsibility on the people that are participating. In it's the same as a bitch services. got pregnant. We're going to blame her for not closing her legs, but who put that in there? Correct. Like it's a two person job or a three person job or a four person job. It really just depends on where we're going. <laughs> But the stand is... That's a lot. That's a lot of <laughs> The need. stand is, it's not just one person. You can't keep blaming the mother. You can't keep blaming the father. You can't keep blaming the Patreon. Like... Right. It's, there's a job, and it's a demand. It's, it's there. People are going to... If we... We already outlaw sex work in most places, but if we made sure it was like a taboo, absolutely not thing, and we were more hard on it, like kind of like, you know... Wow, what is it called? Well, we didn't have alcohol anymore, whatever the fuck that was called. Oh, prohibition. If we had the prohibition, we would be, well, we already do, but it would be a higher black market for sex work than we already have. Like, it is always going to be there. Doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's wrong. It's always going to be there just like drugs. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I too have feelings about, you know, the, where it is illegal because, I mean, I think the same thing about, um, you know, abortion and where if I... I would like to think if I were a woman, if I were, that abortion would not be for me. Um, but again, I support the choice. It is not my choice to make. I shouldn't have to go an hour away to get a baby out of me. Welcome to Missouri. Or an um, uh, embryo, if you will, because if it's already formed, I'm fucking keeping it. But if it's just a tiny little speck egg that I can barely see with my eye, whatever. But sure, like I should not have to travel across state borders because we don't believe in inequality of human rights or health. Like, what if it's going to kill me? And so, and in Missouri, it doesn't fucking matter. No, it doesn't. It does not matter unless it's 100% going to kill me. If it's like, ooh, you might squeeze this one out, we're going to try it. It don't matter. It does not matter. No, correct. And it's, you know, with that, kind of where I was going is I'm more concerned about women's safety than I am about my belief on whether or not it's okay. Does that make sense? Like, well, if that's we what I just said. It, like, if I'm going to oh, die, well, it doesn't yes. matter. But if we're because if we're going to make it illegal, women are forced into positions that can be incredibly unsafe. Get out your metal hangers uh, for sure. That's mommy dearest. No, if you had like, it's reference. it's. I'm sure there are statistics for the people that have been told no, they're going to do it. It's even proven in psychology with children. If you tell a child no, they're more likely going to do it 
than if you go, it's your decision. Or there's a, I forget what kind of test or it is. Or even just explaining like the why. Like yeah. what are the risks of this? What are your other options? Ultimately, it is that person's choice. But like, let's have a conversation of support and not make them feel like shit when they make the one that you don't agree with. Yeah, it's a big psychology game because my cousin was a big pro activist about allowing drugs to be legal. And I know that's like a big debate. Like, why would you let heroin be legal? I don't want heroin to be legal. I've lost so many people to heroin. But it's the point if it's okay. Yes, more people are probably going to get on it first. But there's going to be way more resources to save these people because now we have to do something about it. Sure. While right now it's illegal, just put them in the jail. Eh, just they're going to die anyway. What does it matter? Sure. Versus if it's legal, there's going to have to be actions taken in the hospital to help make these people a little better or have a better like life source available to them. Because right now you have to pay like 50 bucks if you go to Walmart for... I forget what it's called, but it's pretty much like it brings you back to life. Oh, um, we just now started selling it over the counter. Novocaine? Yeah, we just started selling that over the counter for like 50 fucking bucks when you can go to Walgreens and get it for free, I think. But like, it's just it's hard resources for people that are not doing well. And why do we keep punishing people that are having a hard time? Because we are not doing a good job as a society supporting each other. No, we're not. The resources just they're not there um, to your point. And we're shaking the table. Sorry. Everybody. Yeah, I keep moving my legs. My, our apologies. Um, but the same, you know, with uh, there's just so much there's so much done back there. This uh, is a different type of trauma bo- dump I wasn't ready for, but we're just <laughs> dumping our trauma about society. We don't like society right now. No, we don't. I don't particularly love it. Um, but to your point, like with things being legal, we think about I mean, let's think about you know, you had mentioned the homeless and my mom does a lot of work with the homeless. So I think that's why I've grown such a passion for understanding because I've been exposed to the issue. Um, and you know, we look at people that are homeless and you hear so many people like, well, why don't they just get a job or they go do this or they go do that. And statistically the amount of people that are homeless typically are in the position they're in because they've experienced extreme trauma such as physical and sexual abuse in their lifetime which starts to take a toll on different aspects of the brain and their ability to respond to trauma and to survive because they're always in survival mode but we live in a country where we don't have the resources available because apparently we don't care to when it comes to adult mental health you have to get we're looking at somebody you're you're a typical person who's homeless and this isn't everyone but typically they have a 24 hour time horizon, meaning that they're only able to focus on the next 24 hours. When you think about somebody getting a job, we're talking about applying and then we're talking about getting ready for the interview and we're talking about interviewing and then we're talking about waiting to get a call back and then we're talking about starting a job and then we're talking about waiting to get paid. That is outside of that typical homeless individual's ability to grasp. And so literally... We're keeping them in a cycle where they're never going to be successful because the resources to help their mental and physical well-being are not there. That was heavy. It was very heavy. <laughs> um, I've heard this before, guys, but I think you all needed to have. let that sit in for their viewers. You got to 
let that viewers, think in. They can see us now, our viewers. Oh, they gotta see it. They gotta let. They gotta <laughs> visualize everything you just say because, like, that's something people don't think about. Because I am also a victim of saying, "Why don't they just get a job?" They're standing outside of Walmart same, same. asking for money. Go inside and get a job. But like, you don't think about those details that are consuming their brain. Like, I need it now. I need it now. It's easier for me to just sit here for days versus applying and putting more effort into something that I'm uncomfortable with. For sure. And we think about, you know, basic needs not being met. That person is trying to survive in basic food, shelter, and safety. That's all that they're concerned about. They're not concerned about, you know, maybe somebody who is in a stable environment. You know, you're thinking about retirement, and I'm taking this from a um, a podcast-type thing that I had listened to or watched or whatever you want to call it. Um a seminar type thing. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Point being like, you know, I'm able to think about, okay, this is what I'm doing years from now and plan that person's not able to do that because their prefrontal cortex, Victoria, you and I, you brought this up at lunch. I believe mm-hmm. when we were talking about other, um, you know, other traumas, other traumas, other mental, um, not issues, mental health concerns. It's an um, issue. Mental illness. It is an issue. <laughs> um, but it's like you, oh my gosh, there, there's so much. Life that, is not black and white. No. It's not just do this and do that. It's you have to do this with these five like bullet points and then 17 in the fine line bullet points. Like it's not just, I'm going to go get a car. Okay, but like, how are you going to get the car? Do you have a license? Do you have a permit? Do you have insurance? Like, what the fuck? What do you mean? I need all that to drive to get to work? Yep. Yep, you sure fucking do. And then it's just easier because you don't know how to get to those things and just be like, well, I'm just not going to do it. Mm -hmm. Because you don't have the resources to necessarily get to that point. Um, Man, we really did go into quite the rabbit hole. Okay, well... What what story did you have to bring to the table today about your life? Uh, so I didn't really come prepared with a story per se, but I can talk about my getting blood drawn panic attack fiasco. <laughs> That's a really good start. So DJ might be able to help some people that may struggle with this issue because it's not talked about a lot and it can be kind of maybe embarrassing or maybe you feel like you're the only one on earth that goes through this and it's just, it's just not comfortable at all. So, DJ, how did you overcome this, and what is your problem? <laughs> oh, boy. So, <laughs> I would say that I um, definitely have... Did I turn yours up too loud? No, it's good. Okay, cool. Um, so, I would definitely say I have, like, some form of panic attack disorder of sorts. So, I had to go... So, those of you who don't know me, and I haven't discussed it yet, um, are not aware, but my husband and I are in the process of getting uh, certified to adopt um, through foster care, which is very exciting. <laughs> Victoria's excited to be an auntie. And it's crazy because I am an aunt. We don't talk about that. And I hate most children. But I'm so excited because these little brats are going to be mm, in shape. They're going to be listening. And if they don't listen, guess what? Mm. They gonna. They gonna. <laughs> oh yeah, I go put up. No, with that we nonsense. don't abuse kids. No, we do not. I do not condone abuse. Um. So anywho, so we had to go. I had to go get a physical. There's a lot of stuff you have to go through. So I had to go get a physical, and um, I was gonna have to have blood drawn. So I, I do not do well with any of that. Um. To the point that I don't just pass out, but like my body 
blacks out and shakes and like I have hot and cold flashes and I literally feel a sense of intense impending doom. Like the only way it's going to end is if I pass out. Um, and so when I went in, I was not able to, um, have blood drawn after like an hour panic attack in the floor. They, I will say they were so sweet to me. So for that, I'm very grateful. Uh, so I plan to have to go back, um, And so, thankfully, one, the doctor was more than willing to prescribe me a, um, like, an ambient Xanax-type situation so that I could take it before going in so that I was more calm. Um, Now, mind you, it did help me to be a lot more calm, but I was definitely still in panic, as it's not something that can just necessarily be treated with medicine in those instances, but it can help decrease anxiety adding to panic. Um, And so... My 32-year-old ass had my mother take me to... Am I 32 or 33? I'm 32. So you're how many years older than me? I'm 32. I was born in 91. Oh. Yeah, I'm 32. Jesus. Am I? I don't know. Um, I had to Google how old I was. (laughs) It doesn't really matter because... Okay, now it does matter. So hold on. We're going to do the math because I... Don't I? How do I not know how old this I am? This is what ADHD does to you. We are not stupid. We just can't remember important details. I will be thirty-three this year. Okay. So I am goes. thirty-two. So my thirty-two-year-old ass had my mother come with me, um, because she's the best. And so I, I sat down. I was more calm with the medicine. I literally took a sweatshirt, put it over my face, so I couldn't see anything. It's like a bird at the zoo. It was something. And I was like, my mom's like, what do you need me to do? I'm like, I just need you to hug me. And I literally sat there and saying, yes, Jesus loves me the whole time. The Lord is good to me. And so I thank the Lord for the seed. That's from American Dad. And so I thank the Lord. And I don't remember the rest of it. Good to me, me from the, oh, like, something about an apple seed. Something about the dirt and grass. <laughs> to the apple tree oh, the sun I need, the sun and the rain and the apple seed. Oh, yeah, the rain. <laughs> okay, anyway. All the elements. Anyway, so it was it was a mess. So there, you know, there are things that you can do to like help keep yourself calm. Like I always have a get a, a cool rag, like um, but I would definitely recommend if that's you, like if you have to get something done, not that I want people to be dependent upon medication, but for me in that it's instance, volume, people, it's okay. It's okay. Yes. But in that moment, like it's what I needed to be calm enough to be able to manage my panic to, to get it done. Cause I didn't have an option. Um, I needed to get it done because I would like to be a dad. <laughs> So, you know, but in general, like, there are going to be times where I'm going to have to do that. It's so. okay to have vulnerable moments. A lot of people and adults and men and some women, depending on how you're raised, blah, 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 think that they have to do everything by themselves. But you do not. It is okay to say, hey, I I need help. And I know this sounds like I'm being, you know, five years old or I'm, you know, I'm a grown-ass person. I should be able to do this myself. But that's not true. Like, I don't have the same issue as ZJ, but when I got my blood drawn not too long ago because I was trying to get a diagnosis for my anhydrosis, which they do not do in St. Louis, hallelujah, problems with our mental or our medical system again, 
Um, I had to get my blood drawn and I passed out. I, I thought it went really well. I didn't freak out. It was the most painless thing ever. And I've had trauma when I was a kid with really shitty nurses that left the needle in my arm and walked away while the blood was being pulled. It hurt so bad, No, but it was perfect. Like they did a great job. I was so thankful. I told them they were amazing. I went into the car. I said, Oh my gosh, Josh, I, my my husband's name is Josh. And I was like, Oh my gosh, Josh. Um, this was amazing. I'm, I'm so excited. Thank you for being here. Lights the fuck out i smashed my head on the dashboard i was wearing makeup that day i don't always wear makeup and you can see my forehead i am naturally gorgeous y'all see that whenever we take our fucking photos one of these days um and it, it was rough and it's okay to admit that your body in fight or flight Likes to flight no, <laughs> because no, 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 it does no. happen and just get a support system that is there for you. It doesn't even have to be someone, you know, cause DJ, I think it was really awesome that, uh, the nurse practitioner or somebody you talked to was very helpful of how to get medication for this. Oh, it? they were. And then my therapist talked me through a lot of, cause she also experiences the same thing. So a lot of whoops. A lot of like coping skills. She's the one who told me about the sweatshirt over your face that you can't see anything and it's all blacked out. I'm like, that helped so much. So much. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. So it wasn't really trauma, more so if I hope that helps somebody out there. Oh, it was a lot of trauma for me. It wasn't (laughs) dramatic for me at all. So hopefully that helps. I went back at the work the day after I had the the, the day I had the panic attack and my God, I did not want to be there. I was crabby. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I'm like, I just want to go home and go to bed. And it's funny that you say that because it's so easy if you're on the other side of that individual. Like I know that DJ goes through a lot and like that was so hard, but in my brain I was like, bro, you're fine. Like, it's fine. You're at work. Just think about work. <laughs> Stop freaking out. But like in that person's head, they're freaking the fuck out. Yeah. Like it's not their fault. They don't, they don't, they can't stop it. It would be so nice to be like, Hey, depression, not today. You can't do that. You can't do that with traumas. You can't do that when you're freaking out over something that gives you a phobia. It's just not something you can do. No, it's definitely not. Cause like, I can't tell you how many times I told the, the nurse practitioner. And again, she was so sweet about it. I'm like, in my brain, I know how stupid this is, but my body does not care. They're like, "Mm, my body's like, no, no, we're going to shut down. It's going to be great. So if I, no, 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 no. no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like, it's, so if there's any ever secrets that anybody doesn't want to be known and all you got to do is torture me to have blood drawn, it's out. Like you're done. It's over. This therapist said the same thing. So I think at this point, it's safe to say if you have to torture someone, just get the fucking needles out. <laughs> just tell me you got to draw blood. I'll be like, I'll tell you what I want to know. In fact, Walgreens gives out free needles. So go go to your pharmacist in Walgreens. Uh, okay. I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. This took a turn. Shut the doors. Shut. Oh, my God. What is it? Turn off the cameras and lock the doors. Rage. Rage. (laughs) Oh my God. We're so fucking funny. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So we don't have too much time left. Victoria, is there anything that you want to add to this lovely shit show? No, I like to sprinkle my trauma into stories that we talk about. So I'm going to continue to do that instead of be put on the spot. 
Uh, and I also have really shitty memory, so I can't tell you what trauma I would like to talk about because I don't remember it right now. It'll come to me in another story. And I'm super excited for our next Loud and Opinionated podcast because yes. I hope that there's updates about that individual we talked about last time that happened 20 minutes down the road from us. Oh, yes, with the sex trafficking. Yes, and- I am excited about any updates that you find. Yeah, let's hope Dirtbag is in jail still. All of the Dirtbags. All the Dirtbags. I think dirt there bags. was like three of them. There were. It was disgusting. And then hopefully Home Slice, who ran into the bar, bar PM. Oh, uh, I'm sure. I'll look at the updates. I can't imagine there's any updates on that. Who knows? It's probably going to take too long. Probably. Well, Just like our tickets at the workplace. There's probably only two people oh manning gosh. that. If you work room. for the Walmart and you know what we're talking about, you feel our pain. All right. Well, that's all I have, Victoria. Oh, my gosh. It was so great being back in this 60-degree basement. Yes. Oh it's so God. freezing. No wonder I feel like crap. All right. Well, until next time, bye, everyone. Bye. bye. bye.